We're excited to be here today. I'm really excited to have Terrell Transtrom um, here with us. Uh, I'm Roger Smith, CEO of Direct Scale. And um, my guest, Terrell, is the founder and CEO of ServiceQuest, which is a, a consulting and services organization to the direct and social selling industry. They do amazing work. Um, Terrell has uh, a vast amount of experience in working with very significant companies um, in the direct selling space. And so you guys all have a great opportunity to kind of learn a little bit about, um, about some of the things that they do and kind of, kind of get a little glimpse into, into consulting. It's a, it's a real gift for us today. One of the things that I was noticing as I was um, preparing for this session is that on, on Terrell's LinkedIn profile, it says help people win service quests. And I love that. Um, and it, it really, it's super simple, but knowing what he and his team, what they do and what they deliver, I can tell you that's exactly what they can do. And, and they can, they definitely are interested in helping people win and, and they, they do the work to make that happen. Um, our purpose at Direct Scale is lift, build, empower the one. Only a couple you know, maybe words longer than that one, but it really is, a, it's the same thing. Our hearts are in this for the industry that we're in, um, helping to advance and improve the industry, expand it, and to help those individuals at our client companies, as well as their um, independent sellers or reps and customers to elevate themselves to have the very best chance of success and improving their life in the ways that they want to. So I think we're really aligned on that, Terrell, um, in terms of what our companies are trying to do and, and the why behind it. And so, you know, that's just a good little starting point. Thanks, Roger. You know, as I think about what you're saying as well, uh, this is one thing that, that is common to all the clients that we serve, the ones that at least are growing, and particularly the ones that have become very influential through their size and their momentum, is that they realize and they build their enterprise around, I think, a single point of success, and that is the success of a consumer who uses a product, who decides that they like that product, and they're going to buy that product again. And that makes it easy to attract any representative that wants to represent the business because who doesn't want to have a business filled with customers that uh, like and enjoy the product? And uh, the companies that are doing extraordinarily well understand that. They get that. And they know that by doing well what they're doing, they're lifting uh, the, each individual. They're providing that opportunity for them to, to win and to be lifted from where they are to the next level. Excellent. Well said. And, and that, you know, that really is, that really is the, the unique element or one of those unique aspects of the industry that I love. And, and it's been part of it since, since the very early days. Um, I have a, a story that's close to my heart. My mother uh, was actually a, um, an independent seller for a direct sales company years and years ago. She's a brilliant, wonderful woman, you know, full-time mother, but also, you know, trying to make ends meet as a single mom and, and was able to, to, um, to do that in direct selling. And so as a, as a young person, I, I saw that happening and kind of been 
kind of fell in love at that point and have been uh, an advocate ever since. So our, our topic today, Terrell, is unleashing growth accelerators for your company. Um, you've got a ton of content on this. And so what we want to do today is maybe just give a little glimpse to our, our attendees, our friends and uh, clients and prospective clients potentially, um, to give them a little insight into what that, what that means for, from your perspective and, and how um, they might start to consider that and hopefully give them you know, a few insights and things to think about. And then at the end of this session, we will um, we'll make an offer for them to, to reach out and get a, a free consultation from, from you and ServiceQuest uh, about their business and how they might, um, might expand their opportunities there. So with that, you know, I, I think that, you know, I know that you've worked, I mentioned this earlier, you've worked with a lot of really large companies over the years, and you've been part of some pretty amazing growth stories and, and the success of a lot of big companies. So congratulations for that. Um, it's also gives you great perspective. And I'm just curious, at, you know, as you look at some of the direct selling giants that you've worked with over your career, what are some of the key strategies you recognize um, in each of those companies. And why don't you just kind of walk us through maybe a little bit of some of your observations there. Well, I appreciate that. It's a great question. Uh, it, it begins with the premise, Roger, that uh, growth is the direct sales imperative. Uh, the nature of, of that marketing channel is, is, has one purpose, and that is to move products and services to consumers through uh, an independent sales team. And growth is the imperative. Uh, the natural laws that are at work include some, some forces of attrition that will reduce growth and draw down momentum. Uh, but by looking at the companies that have endured the long journey to their first billion dollars in revenues, let me define what we're talking about there. We're talking about not cumulative revenues. We're talking about a company that has produced a billion dollars in revenues in a single year. And we identified uh, these companies and we've researched quite deeply. All the information I'm gonna share with you today comes from open source information. Even though we've worked with these companies, I've, I wanted to be sure that we don't um, disclose anything that would be inappropriate. But we do think about the business in a certain way. And one of the reasons that I wanna compliment you for attending today, everyone, is uh, allowing us to challenge how you think about direct sales and what are the drivers and uh, give you some inspiration as well as some tools that you can go back to work and, and work with. Now, to your, to your question, Roger, I, I think that's the billion dollar question. And that is the, um, you know, outside of direct sales, uh, we, as you may know, and I, I, it's estimated there are as many as 10 million businesses in the United States, and so very few of them ever have the opportunity to, to, to play in that rare air. And what's amazing is in the, in the universe of direct selling companies, there's an extraordinarily different shift in those that reach 100 million and 500 million and a billion in revenues and beyond. And direct sales offers that hallmark pattern of hyper growth that's driven by influencers who understand the power of relationships. And, and to, to their credit, they get out of bed every morning and decide they're going to go to work and get something done. Um, so it's an unequal, cha an unequal cha channel. And the challenges are enormous. 
But I also think that we, I'd like us to, uh, and, and what we're going to talk about today is taken from one of our workshops uh, on, we, we, it's our Growth Accelerators workshop. And we start by looking at the road to a billion in revenues. Um, we're going to, we won't hit all these points today, but we want you to consider the pitfalls that you avoid on your journey to a billion, uh, the metrics that you should watch, the patterns of growth decline and revitalization, uh, the growth accelerators and how to uncover them. And, and really one of the, uh, the second premise of our time together, Roger, is that the accelerators exist within your company and you need to find them and exploit them. I think that's one of the first shifts in your thinking that I want you to consider that those accelerators are inside, the secrets are inside your company and you need to uncover those and put them to work. Now, it, it, it's healthy to watch other companies, but but no comp every, each company is unique and none is the same as yours. So you have to uh, and then understand what they what they look like and a technology or a technique or a methodology to follow in order to be able to do that. And so we're going to touch on that, take some of these real high points uh, that we have found to be very effective uh, in our conversations. And um, so we're going to also talk today about inflection points. I'm going to give you a little view, Roger, of what you and I have prepared to talk with our uh, with everyone about um, and, and knowing the stage of momentum that you're currently in, pull the data and write your three KPIs or your, your first alerts or your advanced warning uh, signals, and then tune into what's working and what's not working. That's really where we're going to be able to take today's discussion. Now let's talk about this growth imperative. Um, and before I show you some of the research, uh, Roger, I want to I want to hear your I want to take your question, but say that, like we talked about, it's the imperative for winning with direct sales is growth. And um, so with that, uh, Roger, do you mind if I share what we found about the, the, the path to a billion, the road to a billion in revenues? I'd love to I'd love to hear that. We took there's there's roughly 25 direct sales companies that operate at or above um, a billion in annual revenues. And we looked at 12 of those. We picked a dozen uh, for a variety of reasons. We wanted to look at their, um, at their, the diversity of the product offerings and the leadership and the structures of their companies, yet find out what they have in common. And the first company that we, that we put for you to consider is Avon, good old Avon started in 1886, and uh, in 86 years, they went. They achieved their first billion-dollar year. And the characteristic that these all share is they have a runway. And the Avon runway runs. This is a 50-year model. So you, to the left, we've put a little tail that represents an extra 36 years uh, that they went to their first billion. We had a company, uh, Natura, from Brazil, 42 years. They launched in 1960. Um, and it hit their first billion dollar year 42 years later. Mary Kay in 1963, uh, Melaleuca in 1985. Here's a great example of a company that launched in 83, stuttered, stopped. They had a terrible product line and an even worse compensation plan. They actually shut the company down and relaunched. 
uh, and now they operate at two and a half billion. And it was really there that I got my first taste of what growth accelerators really are, how to find them, what they look like, and, and, and how to prepare yourself as a management team uh, to exploit that. And here are the rest of the, the participants in this study. Uh, USANA, Herbalife, Young Living Essential Oils, uh, Amway, of course, New Skin, Rodan and Fields, Ambit. This was an interesting one, as you may know, they are utilities that went right. from shifting from, you know, subscribing with your local carrier, shift your accounts over to Ambit. Uh, and then LulaRoe, a company that we helped to launch in 2013 in their third calendar year. So about three and a half years, uh, that third calendar year was their first billion dollar year, notwithstanding the challenges that, that they've encountered uh, uh, since then. But that, you know, what we observed, there are a couple of really key points in this. Notice that there are two inflection points. I want to introduce you to the idea of an inflection point here. Uh, uh, the first is at 100 million. And then there's a second one that we watch at 500 million. And at 100 million, it turns out, is in our total opinion as a consulting group, that is the gateway to a billion in revenues. You know, companies that make it to 100 million uh, this is annual, so that's about eight to 10 million a month, have usually been forced to run at it a few times. They've seen downturns. Um, they, by the time they achieve and hold that level of 100 million, they typically won't collapse under the significant pressure of scaling beyond that point. Right. I like uh, that. I like that perspective of they've had to run at it a few times. You know, it's, it's not like it's an automatic to get there. Even for the ones that get there fast and are successful, it's They've had to overcome some challenges. They've had to tweak some things. They've had to figure some things out for sure to, to get there. Sure. Well, the, 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 the real big journey is the tail go, as the old tale goes, consists of many smaller journeys with peaks and valleys from which we learn how to accelerate and grow. Um, so notwithstanding the different, uh, uh, the, the size, capacity for growth, the characteristics of the, the products, the mix of their marketing strategies, their structures, their management styles, they all share very specific patterns that we've called out and we'll be sharing with you today. Uh, so that, that's, that's the introduction to and, and why we like to consider the billion dollar direct sales enterprise as a model to really study. Excellent. So, you know, part of this um, in previous conversations, we've talked a little bit about um, direct selling as a channel and, and the fact that it really isn't an industry, right? It is a channel. And, the, and what's happening in the last several years is that a lot of changes and um, evolution is happening in the people-to-people you know, person to person influencer channel. There's a lot of companies now that are and brands that are seeing the value of it and trying to figure it out. And, you know, one of the things that I love about the history that you're showing here is we're in a unique position, I think, with our experience in, in this industry to help guide and direct um, other brands who, who want to go on this journey and who want to truly have, um, you know, this, this army of independent influencers and sellers and, and scaling that and, and giving them the tools that they need to succeed. A few years ago, position there. Yeah, yeah, Roger, a few years ago, it took my breath away. We got a call from a company 
Uh, they called us from their overseas office, a global company that that uh, reports right around $80 billion a year in revenues. They're, they're what you'd consider a big company. Uh, never, heard of, never heard from a company of that size before. And I thought, what in the world would you possibly want to talk with me about? And they said, you know what? We are seeing, we, first of all, they said, we don't want to become a multi-level marketing company. Uh, we have a brand that we have to protect, and, and, but we want all the good and none of the bad of direct sales. And I said, well, how can I help you? And they essentially said, we have something going on in our enterprise that we don't even understand, that people are sharing our products with their friends. And as a result, their friends are buying our products and subscribing to these products. And we don't know how to marshal that, but something's happening. Can you help us make sense of it? Which is kind of indicates what you're saying. It's, it's almost a leapfrog of the, the, the global giants, not just direct sales, over the top of direct sales because they're going to land in what we know works in, in this world of, we now call it influencers, but that's always been the case in direct sales. Exactly right. Well, should we kind of shift into, you know, talking a little bit more about these growth accelerators and and how to find them and and exploit them. And I guess probably in kind of the context of the of the kind of the common key things that work in all of these disparate, you know, billion dollar journeys. Yeah, thank you for that point. Because the, the common problems that arise at real similar stages in their development is part of what you want to look at. Um, these points of similarities uh, can actually be organized, organized into a framework that increases not only you know, the understanding of the nature and characteristics and problems in those journeys, but also a, a pattern or a framework, which I will share with you at the very end so you can at least hang some of these ideas on as we conclude our day. But the, um, the growth, you know, with the premise that growth accelerators already exist, then we're going to push you to think slightly differently, if not, you know, in a majorly new ways about how to use your data and, and what to discover from it. Um, I have a, um, an example I'd like to show. And before I do that, I grabbed a couple of, of slides that I thought could be um, instructive for our conversation today and these comparative trends. The green line represents a $500 million year. And so the growth curve of these companies over that time, that represents uh, the, the trends. Uh, roughly, these are anywhere from a six-year-old company uh, at the time that I pulled this data on LuLaRoe to uh, Rodan and Fields, who, who launched 14 years ago, Sensi, a 16-year-old, 31 Gifts, 16-year-old company. Uh, interesting trends, and I think almost um, the poster child, if you will, for these strategic inflection points, which uh, they're, they're small ones all along the way and then they're the major ones. And so you're gonna see this concept arise. Now, interestingly, we contrast that with some of the more the legacy companies that have certainly encountered their inflection points along the way. But one thing that they all do consistently is they continue to grow. And regardless of if they're in a downturn, we're gonna show you what it is they do when they encounter those downturns or when they see them coming. And um, one of the main things, uh, you know, spoiler alert, is it's the way that they innovate. And so it's, it's a mix of the foundational, the cultural constants that they have, things that they are always found doing, like a leadership style, 
particular way that you lead or the way that you create hope in the field to fuel them, not only through downturns, but inspire the work that, that goes, that turns into upturns. So these are some constants and you can't just say, well, you need to start leading or you need to start adding hope. These things are constantly found inside the companies. But then on that foundation, they will do specific things to draw out and discover those growth accelerators to fuel them to next levels. And that's the theme that seems to flow through this discussion. Uh, so one of the keys, of course, is to learn to mine the data to draw those out. Um, I, want, I love to use this example in our workshop that, that focuses on something that I learned extremely early in my career. I spent the first five years of my career in direct sales as a right-hand man to Frank Vandersloot, the CEO at Melaleuca. And when I joined the company, they had 25 employees, about 2,500 uh, distributors, a few million in, in, re in revenues. And in the five years that I was there, it was a 20-year career packed into five years, we grew to 250 million in revenues. Uh, and we, I experienced and was both part of observing and, and participate in creating the innovations that, that uh, turned into growth accelerators. And what was really interesting is it all turned on something that we learned as we went. Um, and, and the peaks and valleys represented here are certainly the realities of life and business. You create a peak when you truly follow your sensible vision, individually as well as corporately. And then the pain or fear in a valley can wake you up to a truth that you might have been ignoring. And a truth that you probably won't discover until you have that pain and that anxiety that comes being in the valley. Uh, and so I think on that foundation, one is, even though it doesn't make it into our... Um, into our framework uh, of, of, that I'm gonna teach you at the end, it, it is a big dose of humility as part of your leadership style is to know that and recognize that the downturns are your opportunity to learn, to take in information and, and um, course, make course corrections. But near the Wyoming border, which is about an hour's drive from my home here in Idaho uh, is a, and you're looking at the Teton Range, uh, representative of the peaks and valleys of our discussion, but it's also, this is the Idaho side, and on the other side is the Jackson, Wyoming side. And there's a little sleepy community called Driggs, Idaho. Uh, population is about 1,800 people. And in 1986, early on when Melaleuca first launched, Randy Burnside, who was the owner of the local lumberyard, the city's mayor and postmaster, uh, I think he even delivered a few babies. He was all, an all-around <laughs> community influencer. And he brought Melaleuca by introduction into the community. And it took a few weeks for enrollments and sales to climb and peak. And then in a month or two, sales declined and then leveled out. So with Randy's help, this is kind of what it looked like in Driggs, Idaho. Um, and if you'll notice it, it actually takes on the profile of the duck head not to mention at a very small scale, the profile of some of those companies we just looked at, uh, you know, in their, in their lifetime journey of, of years. And we soon realized that, that every community, small and large, experienced this cycle and the overall growth 
at Melaleuca became an aggregate of those communities. So, um, the, you know, in the end, the, the point is that growth and scaling looks like this, where the communities are, um, are stacked one upon another in the aggregate of the company metrics, but knowing which communities are doing what became very uh, important because there's also not only geographically, but there's a, there's, and by the way, geographically, the people in Driggs, Idaho, uh, still as, as a percentage of their population have the highest number of people receiving the fattest residual checks from Melaleuca because they weren't stuck in Driggs, Idaho. It, it, they, they made phone calls to cousins in dump truck, Iowa and Phoenix, Arizona and, and wherever that came in and followed similar patterns. Look just like should, it. should point out that in, in 1986, the tools that you could leverage to expand your reach and grow were somewhat limited <laughs> compared to what they are today. So, right. you know, to me, yeah, to me, it makes me think that, you know, if that can happen, then imagine what we ought to be able to do now, if we've got a great product and, and if we've got the right people working to, um, you know, to, to grow that business, it's, it ought to be able to go fast. Well, an encourage a real encouraging thought behind that is that you're recognizing that uh, technology is a macro growth accelerator. Just technology trends in general, moving from phones and faxes to much more of the tools that we have today, and yet the fundamentals are still there. It, 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 yeah. it you have to understand what sparks not only geographic growth, but then you get down in more into the demographics, the demographics, the people you associate with, uh, uh, you know, maybe the guys that shopped the lumber yard were some of the first to get brought in uh, because of Randy Burnside. That's where he spent his time. And that's where the guys uh, elbowed up to the counter and drank their coffee. Uh, and, you know, people are people. And that's, that's part of one of the real fundamentals and taking good care of them is the key. Absolutely. I was going to say that too. One of the things that with the technology advances that we've had in communication trends, one of the things maybe that we have lost a bit, it are those truly authentic and caring and genuine connections, which, which are of course, you know, the most important and, and valuable. So that's one of the things I actually feel like we can help as we advance the, this, uh, this channel, you know, the, the channel of direct and social selling is to help people reconnect at that level, right? Real connections with people, and I, I think I think our circumstances are such uh, nationally and globally that the world is hungry for connection and relief from isolation, and um, naturally we respect those boundaries. But at the same time, genuine care and service to others is the gateway into making the connections that need to be made. Well said. All right. Well, hey, let's um, yeah, let's dig in a little bit more. I, I love that example, by the Great. way. Great. Well, thank you. You know, I, I think so. What's the best way to begin to recognize these inflection points? You know, I, I think that where you've brought us, Roger, is to ask that question. And I would say there are three three steps that we're gonna. I'm gonna introduce you to. I'm gonna at the end of our conversation, I want to workshop this with you just a little bit. Get your pens out and your papers handy, uh, and we'll come back to that in a moment. And then in between that, I want to give you some instruction that will kind of burn this more deeply into your uh, the way you think. But but first of all, I, I, the 
you need to know, I, I would say start by understanding the stage of momentum that you're currently in. Uh, as we know in, um, we're gonna come back to this in a second. All right, the stage of momentum that you are in, th these are the stages of momentum in direct sales. Uh, you've, you've heard the, mm, the concept of the flywheel uh, made uh, popular by off business author, Jim Collins, how to set something into motion. You know, one of the natural laws there is that an object uh, not in motion doesn't go into motion until it's acted upon. And, and so those basic physical laws are at work. And you launch by flywheel, you work, put muscle and hard work into getting the wheel turning, and then its momentum begins to carry uh, the, the, the work that's being done. And uh, then you simply keep it in motion. There is a point because forces are at work that, uh, that cause it to begin to level out. And, um, and I, wanna, I wanna illustrate that with this, with this uh, quick look at the model that shows the trajectory of how business is being conducted and that's working and that's successful and it's getting results. And it's also a trajectory of the Driggs Idaho uh, story that I just told you. And, but along the way, the environmental factors begin to change and increase pressure on the business. Uh, they may not be seen, but they may be things like technology, uh, the economy, a pandemic, market trends, or just the competitive landscape. And eventually you reach the strategic inflection point. So when we talk about this, just from, from your, your high school uh, algebra class or geometry class, I guess it's calculus, but um, you, you remember that point of a strategic inflection where business as usual really is no longer an option. It's the crucial point where leadership must kick in. I'm not saying learn to be a leader. I'm saying this is when leadership really kicks in. And the goal it's, what is got us, it's what got us here won't necessarily get us there. Right? There it is. There it is. It, it, and that is always... The thing that, that's the little mantra that a man, that an executive uh, needs to remember. Um, but it's so empowering to take these simple concepts and build them into your awareness in management. Um, and, and one of the goals is to anticipate that inflection point uh, and other inflection points and, and not overreact and then correctly respond in a changing environment. You know, however you get there, it's the perfect opportunity to provide leadership right in this little zone right here is where the real leaders step up. So that right there is one of the, um, if it's not directly and immediately proximate, it is a key factor in growth accelerators is effective leadership and knowing what you're looking for and how to respond. For example, if you panic, you see what happens if you panic in response to that that discovery of an inflection point, it actually could accelerate and harm your business more than if you just let it continue its course. But to Roger's point, um, realizing that what's worked getting us to this point isn't gonna work. So then comes a season of renewal and innovation and expansion that takes us into a new season of growth. And um, so this basic concept of inflection points I think it was um, uh, from the Intel Corporation. I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but he coined this phrase. 
and we give a lot of uh, respect to people who share their thinking and we can leverage it in this way. Um, so once you have that in mind, then, then the first step, number one, would be to know uh, the stage of momentum that you're currently in and the impact of not taking action. Um, and this, this step requires that you study specific data, Roger. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about that for a minute. The, yeah. um, the, which takes us to point number two, which is to assemble the data, uh, the right data. And um, I'm gonna suggest that for now, or you, you start by writing three KPIs. Let me give you the background on this. Um, when you assemble the right data, in fact, Roger mentioned this in one of our earlier conversations, um, D plus R, equals O. So D is data plus R, which is your response to that data, equals O, the outcome. And so then we can begin to qualify that. So the D might be, it must be the right data with a (laughs) healthy response. And, 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 And use the word response instead of reaction. Uh, you know, because because what happens is an informed response is far better than a reactive response. Okay. In um, every aspect of life, that's a takeaway every that everybody on this call can can take with them today. Yep. Respond now, versus react. Respond versus react. D plus R equals O. And the um, let's show you what to. Let me give you an example of one of my favorite early early warning indicators. Um, this would be a simple dashboard for an executive who is keeping an eye on the overall health of the company and what inflection points are on the horizon. If you take these three in, in really no particular order, uh, you, will, you will take your game to the next level. Uh, and if you're already using these three, feel really comfortable and a pat on the back from me that you've got your act together because uh, in, spite, in addition to all the other data you're watching every day, watch these three things as your early warning system. But first is the net active distributors or reps. These are the number of reps who personally produce volume or do recruiting. However you want to measure activity, just make sure that you're consistent and, and track that month after month. And because um, either it's going to be up or it's going to be down in activity. The next is the number of rank advancements. This is just a raw number of the total reps who advanced to a new rank. And it doesn't even matter what's rank uh, and, until you begin to drill in. Uh, and so, you know, new rank advancements to the first level of rank that exceeds what you've ever seen in the past, that's a good sign of what's on the horizon. We're seeing a real uptick in brand new people coming in and going to their first rank. Then the next thing you do is drill over into the organization that's leading that kind of the field organization that's leading that kind of growth. And that will tell you so much, which will lead to a, a, a suggestion here in a moment. And then your third KPI is your net promoter score. Believe it or not, this is one of my personal favorites because much of the work I do is in customer service anyway. But this is that question that you get after you had a transaction somewhere and they say, would you take a one minute or a one question survey and you say, okay, fine. And it's based on the experience or based on this product, um, how likely are you to recommend our company or this product 
to a friend. And it yeah. indicates, yeah, go ahead, Roger. Yeah, I was just going to say um, our, our uh, attendees could, could Google that, and there's a lot of great information on it. And what you find is the way you calculate that, it's not, kind, it's not a normal scale that you kind of look of, you know, like if you look from not satisfactory to satisfactory, this is, it, it breaks it down into either promoters or detractors. And to be, and to get promoters, you've got to be clear up on the, you know, I'm like eight, nine or 10 right. likely to, to, to talk about this or share this with a friend or recommend this company or this product to a friend. Everything below that, you have kind of a middle of the middle of the range that may not say or do anything, but most of the belows that are considered detractors in this net promoter score model. So you, so it really does shine a bright light on, on customer experience, the experience that you provide for your reps and really creating promoters in, in your business. Yeah, well, if you, if you just step back for a minute now, look at these indicators you can begin to see there's a wealth of new questions that you can ask that's beneath that, uh, yeah. each one of these. And, and before you jump on there, one, I, one thing I will, just, I will just comment, you know, right data plus right response <laughs> equals the right outcome that you're looking for. These are elements like, you know, we have, um, we have a lot of numbers that we can kind of look back at, but, but it's some of the numbers that we can look forward at to understand, you know, new conversations that are happening in the business. But but that whole right data question, if we don't provide the, the tools, the data in a way that, that business leaders, executive, corporate executives can understand quickly and easily consume, then they're ill-equipped to be able to respond. And they're probably left with only reactive kind of gut reaction on, based on, what they're, on what's happening. So, so making sure that we're providing this data um, in, in meaningful views um, is really important. Roger, I, I couldn't businesses. agree more. In fact, one of, the, one of the management practices that I would advocate for is uh, with this group uh, is for you to insist on the right data, present it in a way that you can understand. I'll, I'll never forget being on the hot seat as a young executive. I felt terrible. Um, we were in a, a, an executive meeting and I was kind of the, the special person on the, on the, in the organization because the CEO made sure that I reported to him, number one, because he didn't want any filters between you know, what was going on in the field and, and uh, the CEO's office. And the second was he decided to uh, appoint me to the highest ranking executive position in the company other than CEO. And he explained to me that was because um, everybody's job was to keep me happy because my job was to keep the distributors and customers happy. Mm -hmm. Very strategic leadership perspective right there, which is a little nugget for you to take. But yeah. I'll never forget being in that position, put a lot of pressure on a young kid. And um, one day I made the embarrassing comment when he asked for some data from me about something he'd asked me previously to find. And I sat up straight and I said, well, uh, that data is not available because our, um, our technology isn't programmed to give us that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a young and dumb executive splurting out something like that or blurting out something like that? And his, re his response to me has always stayed with me. He, just, he was patient. His face turned a little red, but he was patient with me. And he said, listen, we don't run our business based on what 
the computers and the technology say we can't have or not have. Do we, do we understand each other, Terrell? Yes, sir, very much. And so this, this goes to your point, Roger, be clear on what you need and then be tenacious, get, get out, you can be nice about it, but the, this is a real uh, hallmark of a great provider, whether you have it internally or external services, that you partner with them and, and let them know what you want. And, and this is part of this discussion is to help you to focus in on what you really should be asking for. The other, the other thing, by the way, is uh, a separate set for the field to watch for their early warning system KPIs. Yeah, and this is this is the stuff that kind of these are kind of the the leading indicators, whereas those other ones are letting the letting execs know what's happening. This is how these are the drivers for those for those elements, right? The At the field level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and the real simple equation is take a look at your ordering. You know, the, the, the question ultimately is the percentage of all who are in my organization, how many of them are active or at least placing a minimum order? Uh, you can uh, variations on that would include auto ships and so forth and how many new auto ships and uh, the, so there's those questions related to orders there's certainly the question about sponsoring uh, of all the people in my organization what percentage are sponsoring and then you would be asking as well how does that compare with the company as compared with what are we up or down over you know in our right. organization versus the overall trends but yep. start with these basic questions and then advancements this is the one i really like as a an indicator of health. And that's how many advancements do I have on my team? How many people are advancing? Uh, so uh, I, I, that, that's, that's mainly, and now what I'd like to do, Rogers, answer any other question you have. This, this is a quick look at how we organize our seven areas of, of the seven areas of direct sales. And this isn't necessarily organization chart, but this is how we look at the disciplines in the company. So sales, underneath sales would be compensation plan. Right. Uh, you know, once a company, once marketing is participated in building the comp plan and so forth. So it's, it's a fairly complex look uh, or a simple look at a complex area. Sure. Hey, before we jump, before we kind of um, get into our, our closing um, items here, just kind of going back to that, that previous um, slide in terms of um, the, the rep, kind of field leader dashboard views. Yeah, this, you know, one of the things that, that we have tried to do in, in, in this mission of lifting, building and empowering the one is to not, not only give them the data, but then also put with it, they, hey, here are the tools, here's the training, here's the activities, you know, here's the things that you can actually do to move the needle in these areas, right? So, because if I'm looking at them, that's great, but how do I now impact these in meaningful ways? And that's what we're trying to deliver from the technology perspective, but a little note on that, just having the tools doesn't get it done. So all those other aspects of the, you know, of the business that you're, that you're indicating there on the next slide, all of those, or most of those have to come to play together. Like you've got to have marketing delivering good assets to share right? You have to have good campaigns. You have to have, you know, well, you got to have a good product story too. So hopefully operations is bringing out, you know, some, some really good products. Um, and you've got to have all of these things kind of working in concert to be a successful um, network marketing organization. Well, you do. And, and Roger, that, that takes us back to the beginning of our conversation, which is 
uh, what do the billion dollar companies do consistently uh, among all of themselves, which brings us back out at a kind of a 30,000 foot look at your business and the opportunities for not only understanding what's going on in each of these key areas, particularly we've been talking about sales and growth, uh, but how everything contributes to that, which then identifies areas that we can begin to innovate. Um, and then we, we bring to bear our leadership. Uh, we can talk about expansion, whether it's you know, geographic or demographic or global expansion. Uh, there's a real key concept that, that we introduced at a different point in our discussion, which is alignment. Uh, aligning, because alignment will result in a much more effective, consistently consistent output uh, as well when, you're, when you've aligned your vision with the needs and the wants of the field, with the way that you run your operation, and then simplify through uh, systems and processes. And then the, the last part of this general framework includes hope and making sure that you're always um, advancing hope as part of your culture uh, and there are ways to do that very effectively. The, oh, go ahead, please. I think that's, I think that's one, of the, one of the unique aspects of, of this channel and, mm -hmm. the, and the experience that we can bring to the party. It's, it, it isn't just about having a lot of influence. It isn't just about, you know, I've got a ton of followers or, you know, look at my blog and I've got the ability to, to share something out, but it's the, it's the um, authentic nature of that message. And it is a message of, I think, connection and hope. And I really love that you include that in your framework. Yeah, I think it's yeah. really important and a differentiator for, for this space that we can bring to the rest of influencer and affiliate kind of selling. Well, and, and it can be something as simple as, you know, one thing that we bring out in our workshop is that uh, Melaleuca, and I'm sure other companies do this, even before Dave Ramsey was around and taught that it was cool, they would have a, the, the CEO would fly or drive into any community that had a leader that had paid off their home mortgage and they had a ceremonial mortgage burning. And not only then does it benefit that person, you know, to work toward that, but all the people who are watching and observing that, that what I'm doing here, I'm on the right track and, and I just need to keep doing what, what uh, the, the formula calls for. Um, so that's, a, that, that's an, uh, sometimes an underutilized or at least underappreciated source of fuel for growth. Um, the, uh, they're, they're, so number one, know the stage of momentum that you're in. Number two, get, mine the data and get the right data and understand what it means. Let's go to number three, which will just take a moment. But, but this is getting tuned into what's working, what's not working, which we talked about at the first of the call. I thought of two ways just to illustrate. I think the story will illustrate it so much better than me talking a lot about it. Uh, to understand what's going on, two of my favorite tools uh, include uh, putting on a headset and sitting next to a customer service agent and listening listening both to the calls and as well as listening to that agent because they, they have a finger on the pulse. Mm -hmm. And some of the issues will be very teeny, but in the aggregate, you'll start to see trends. Um, so if you're ever feeling stuck, go get unstuck by putting on a headset and, and, and challenge yourself to take one of the calls and, and see how hard that really <laughs> is, by the way. Um, and then the other is, and this, is, this one has a lot of depth to it. And that is use your field leadership councils 
um, appropriately or at least effectively maybe is the right word. And by that, I mean the, the one council structure that, that I seem to have the most success with is a growth council. And, and it's consist, it consists of people who are growing. And there are different ways you can measure that depending on your compensation and your, your plan overall. But basically, uh, it's something like an index that would take a look at the number of recruits that's going on, you know, the, back to our KPIs, how many people are recruiting and how many are active and what's the net number of new advancements in your organization. You can actually create a, a very um, elegant index to actually help you to figure out exactly who's growing in the field. And it'll probably be at a time that somebody else is sliding down. And of course, who is it that you hear from? You hear, usually hear the people that are calling out for help. Their, 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 their volume's going down. Mm -hmm. the, the, the world's falling apart. You, we need to do this or we need to change that. Um, stay focused and, and bring together the people who are growing. And because if, if, you, if you think about that inflection point, if you're understanding those that, while the company's in a downturn, they're coming up find out what they're doing because they're going to give you some real clues about the new growth opportunities that are right in front of you. I love that. So Roger, if, if I could, let me, let me issue a little bit of a challenge to uh, maybe a, a, some workshopping here for just a moment. Would that be okay? Yeah, please. So with your pen and paper, uh, write down where your company is in the momentum stages today. Even if you just took a look at this next, um, if you take a look at this next dashboard right here, just kind of put a dot on it or draw it out on your paper and say, here's where we think we are. We're either in a new period of launch, which, which could be down here on the fly. It, it doesn't, your, your flywheel isn't just about launching for the first time. You might be in a, flat position and you're back at the flywheel. Also, this area of growth by promotion is when you level out and, and then you start pushing on that flywheel again. Are, you know, where are you in your growth stage, you know, your, your momentum stage? The second question then is, uh, and write down what data that you extract and how do you view that data? We, I, I took you through the executive dashboard, the field dashboard, and here they are again. Um, here's the executive dashboard and, the, and then the field dashboard. You know, what are you tracking and does it include something similar? And are you getting the information you need to be able to tell you where in that cycle you are? Um, and in, in case you, need this information again we certainly will give you a link to our website and you can send that over and we'll send you you're welcome to the, the presentation today the, the the formulas here whatever we can do to help you to feel like you can wrap yourself you know around this thing and then here's for your your field leader dashboard um, again what what are you tracking and then you know are you spending time understanding what that means, which then goes to your last question of, um, uh, do we, you know, are we responding and are we learning what this means, what's working, what's not working, um, which is kind of your last assignment here. How are you discovering what that is, what's working and what's not working? 
and at minimum go over to customer service and ask them. <laughs> I, I love that. I'm actually going to take you up on that, um, on that challenge here at, uh, here at our company. Watch for our, uh, Roger and I are going to do another presentation on data uh, and check in often over at ServiceQuest. We'll have, we'll let you know, we do public and private growth accelerator workshops. Uh, each has different advantages and watch for our next one. Uh, go, definitely go to our website, which would be right here, servicequest.com forward slash unleash. And this, I, I hesitated to even introduce this to you, especially not at the beginning, but this captures the, the growth framework uh, that, that comprise these seven pillars that we dive deeply into. Understand what's going on, that's your data. Uh, innovate, there are so many, there's a discipline around innovation. You know, lead in a certain way. Expansion is a key to accelerating growth. Alignment, simplification, and hope. Um, I do hope that you have found this helpful. Roger, I'll hand it back to you and you can uh, take us home. Okay. Thank you so much, Terrell and Alex, who's been a quiet participant uh, behind the scenes, helping to respond to questions that we've had. Um, and she's done a great job of fielding those. And our team here at Direct Scale, Scott and Danny, who've been um, really great in helping us put this together. Um, we'll look forward to more conversations. But yeah, in the meantime, um, please reach out to ServiceQuest, um, understand how they might help you in growing your business and getting understanding where you're at a little bit better and getting, getting into the place of momentum where you want to be. And if you find yourself um, uh, seeing or using you know, systems in our industry or in this channel um, that aren't giving you the right data or the right tools to, to help you to, to increase your momentum and, and grow your revenues and help to empower your field representatives, then you should, you should give us a call at direct scale or um, you know, check out our website and request an interaction there too. Roger, so, can, I, can I talk yeah. over the top of you for just a second? On that sure. topic, um, I'm, I'm gaining uh, more and more respect and appreciation for how Roger and his team work. I know that in, they've even helped a client who's having trouble with their own technology by asking them some key questions, buttoning them up and sending them back into battle. Uh, smarter on, well, let's try this first before we talk about drawing you away from what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that's, uh, you know, hats off to you guys for being such a great resource and why I believe this relationship with you has been so, and will continue to be so important. Thank you so much. Those are, those are um, meaningful words coming from you, Tara. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to continuing um, the work that we're all doing to try to improve the channel and bring the best of it to, to the world. Um, and I love, I love the message of hope, so we'll leave with that one. Let's all keep having hope um, that we can create something better than what we've got and what we're dealing with today. And I think the way that we do that is we look inside and hey, what can I do? What can I do to improve? How can I be part of the solution? You know, what can I do to, um, to be a better neighbor and friend and business associate? Mm -hmm. um, so we appreciate the time that everyone's taken today. We'll look forward to, to speaking with you soon. I believe we will send up 
or send out um, a post call item with some of these uh, links and answers to questions, et cetera, to kind of close the loop on that. But again, we really appreciate it. Thanks for making us part of your day today. Terrell, Bye, Alex, everybody. we'll see you soon. Thanks again, Roger. And All right, talk to you guys I'll later. Thank you. Bye-bye.